We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. We're going to take a look at some of the day's headlines in these first two segments. And then I'll be joined by James Blend and we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news. In the second hour of today's program, this week's Christian Outlook, Gino Geraci will who was the chaplain, by the way, for the police department in Denver at the time of the Columbine massacre in 1999. We'll talk with Brian Rohrbach, who lost his son in Columbine. They're going to discuss the tragic shooting at Covenant School in Nashville, Tennessee. Dr. Albert Moeller, he shares his thoughts about the confusion surrounding the reported gender of the shooter. And Don Crow will talk with Lance Izumi about the book, The Homeschool Boom. All of that and more this week's Christian Outlook coming up in the second hour of today's program. Well, looking at some of the day's headlines after being indicted by a Manhattan grand jury, former President Donald Trump is expected to be arraigned in court on Tuesday. According to law enforcement, Judge Juan Merchant is the trial judge presiding over the case. It stems from the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's investigation into alleged hush money payments the president made to Stormy Daniels in 2016. The president disputes that account. The president is uh, the former president, rather, is scheduled to be arraigned at 2.15 p.m. in Merchant's courtroom on the 15th floor of the um, courthouse in New York City. In addition to the uh, to Trump's personal attorney, a second source uh, has confirmed that uh, Trump has made arrangements with the district attorney's legal team to surrender without handcuffs. Detectives with the DA's office will handle the arrest. Law enforcement agencies, including the U.S. Secret Service, New York Police Department, FBI, New York State Court Officers and DA's office, will meet on Friday afternoon to finalize details about the logistics and security of the president, the former president's arrest. The Secret Service will determine how uh, Trump is brought in, according to sources. It was previously thought that Bragg had uh, requested that Trump surrender his uh, to his office today after the grand jury voted to indict him uh, on Thursday evening. But the Secret Service delayed that surrender. There's uh, logistical concerns uh, in that um, undertaking. The indictment of a current or former president of the United States is unprecedented in American history. The criminal charges against the, uh, Trump come after a years long investigation into a one hundred and thirty thousand dollar payment to Daniels and another one hundred and fifty thousand dollar payment to former Playboy model Karen McDougal, allegedly to keep them quiet about their liaisons with uh, Trump during his first campaign for the presidency. Trump has denied the affairs and any wrongdoing. Those payments had been investigated by the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York and by the Federal Elections Commission, both of whom have jurisdiction. This is a federal elections crime that's being investigated. Federal prosecutors in the Southern District of New York opted out of charging uh, Trump related to the Daniels payment in 2019, even as his then-attorney, Michael Cohen, implicated him as part of his plea deal on campaign finance violations. Well, the Federal Elections Commission also tossed it its investigation into the matter in 2021. 
Well, according to a spokesperson for the Manhattan District Attorney's Office in a statement, this evening we contacted Mr. Trump's attorney to coordinate his surrender to the Manhattan DA's office for arraignment on a Supreme Court a Supreme Court indictment, which remains under seal. Guidance will be provided when the arraignment date is selected. Well, Trump reacted by slamming Bragg for his um, obsession with trying to get Trump while warning the move to charge a former president of the United States will backfire. Interestingly, Bragg made it one of his campaign promises that he would go after and convict the then sitting president. This is political persecution and election interference at the highest level in history, Trump said in a statement. From the time I came down the golden escalator at Trump Tower and even before I was sworn in as president of the United States, the radical left Democrats, again quoting Trump, the enemy of the hardworking men and women of this country have been engaged in a witch hunt to destroy the Make America Great Again movement, end quote. Well, the investigation into Trump was opened in 2019 by then Manhattan District uh, Attorney Cyrus Vance. The probe was focused on possible bank insurance and tax fraud. The case initially involved financial dealings of Trump's Manhattan properties, including his flagship Fifth Avenue building, Trump Tower, and the valuation of his 213-acre estate, Seven Springs, in Winchester, or Westchester, rather. Last year, the investigation led to tax fraud charges against the Trump Organization and its finance chief, Alan Weisberg. We'll follow the story as it develops with the arraignment coming up on Tuesday. Well, the Biden administration's response to questions about the unprecedented indictment of the former president, well, essentially said nothing. Representative Nancy Pelosi, the Democrat from California, no longer the speaker, released a statement Thursday night commenting on the indictment of the former president, a statement that has raised eyebrows due to its blatant inaccuracy on the rule of law in the United States. The grand jury, she wrote, has acted upon the facts and the law, and everyone has the right to a trial to prove their innocence. Well, many have been quick to zero in on Pelosi's claim that Trump has the right to a trial to prove his innocence. A cardinal principle of the justice system in the United States is that any person accused of a crime is presumed innocent until proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt in a court of law. Dire warning issued uh, about the dangers of artificial intelligence in your kids' hands. The rise of chat GPT has caused worries among education experts and academic faculty because it poses risks and ethical issues in schools like cheating and incentivizing minimal effort for students. Since the introduction of the artificial intelligence tool chat GPT in November of 2022, the new technology has displayed the power and potential that AI can have on lives. OpenAI CEO Sam Altman, the company behind ChatGPT, admitted earlier this month that he was even a little a little scared of the powerful technology his company is developing. And while Altman predicted that artificial intelligence will eliminate a lot of current jobs, he said the technology will be a net positive for humans because of the potential of, to transform industries like education. Education is going to have to change, Altman said, but it's happening um, it's happened many times uh, with technology before. When we get uh, got the tech, let me get this right. When we got the calculator, the way we taught math and what we tested students on totally changed. Of course, we can't read and can't really do math or algebra anymore. The NYPD has ordered all officers to report in uniform the day after the Trump indictment. And the Pentagon has disbanded the DEI unit after the chief was accused of racism against Caucasians. 
A New York grand jury has indicted the president and Republicans introduced legislation to protect schools. President Biden has rejected that legislation at the heart of the bill, which will be called the Security Aid for Every School Act or SAFE is a $900 million grant program, according to Senators Marsha Blackman, Blackburn and Bill Haggerty, both Republicans from Tennessee. A fact sheet uh, for Blackburn and Haggerty's bill says states will be able to use the grant money in a number of ways, including to train and hire veterans and former law enforcement officers to serve as school safety officers, hire off-duty law enforcement officers, and provide funding to harden schools and increase physical security. In Thursday's White House press briefing, Corinne Jean-Pierre made the Biden administration's uh, clearly partisan position clear regarding legislation aimed at making schools and students safer. Biden won't consider anything other than a ban on assault weapons. Katie Pavlich weighed in, saying the White House is rejecting legislation from Marsha Blackburn to give states millions in grant money for school security to train veterans and other capable people to protect and harden schools. They only want to ban one semi-automatic rifle. The White House says our hearts go out to the trans community as they are under attack. PJ Media reports that despite the tragic loss of six lives in Monday's mass shooting at a Christian school by a biological woman who identified as transgender, it sadly appears that little attention is being paid to the victims. Rather, uh, the mainstream media and others have hijacked the narrative and expressed more concern about the potential backlash from the far right against the transgender community. Some radical leftists have gone so far as to blame the state of Tennessee for the shooting because it passed laws that limit the transitioning of children. During Thursday's press briefing, Corinne Jean-Pierre seemed to suggest that this may have played a role in the tragic event. In other words, they were asking for it. Protesters rushed to the Tennessee Capitol building demanding gun control. Hundreds of people gathered outside the Tennessee State Capitol in Nashville on Thursday morning to rally for gun control in the wake of the deadly shooting earlier in the week at the Covenant School. The protest was planned by Awake, a Tennessee nonprofit dedicated to improving conditions for women and children in the state. Nashville um, uh, Scene reports that hundreds gathered at the Capitol downtown at the uh, to um, address the shooting at Covenant. They're chanting, hold, holding signs and calling for gun reform. Wall Street Journal journalist has been jailed in Russia, charged with spying. News broke Thursday morning that the Russian government detained Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gershkovich uh, under spying charges. He worked out of the uh, paper's Moscow bureau. The Biden administration condemned the detention of a Wall Street Journal reporter in Russia for what Moscow describes as espionage, the first such case of an American journalist detained for allegations of spying since the Cold War, which some argue we're back in. The White House said that the State Department has been in touch with the Russian government concerning the arrest of the reporter and that was uh, it was communicating with the journal about his case. The targeting of American citizens by the Russian government is unacceptable, White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre said in a statement. Hmm, let's hope there's more than... A statement. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back in just a few moments. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Joe Manchin is upset that fellow Democrats are not using the Inflation Reduction Act as intended. The senator was the biggest loser in politics in 2022. The only now um, and only now is he admitting just how badly he lost. Manchin claims he is considered about the um, 
uh, concerned about the national debt. When he and President Joe Biden met to discuss the Inflation Reduction Act, he said, we agree that the bill was designed to pay down our national debt and shore up America's energy security. But now, instead of implementing the law as intended, unelected ideologues, bureaucrats and appointees seem determined to violate and subvert the law to advance a partisan agenda that ignores both energy and Fiscal security, end quote. Manchin is most upset that these bureaucrats are ignoring the law's intent to support and expand fossil energy. He claims that the Biden administration is trying to implement the bill it wanted, not the bill Congress actually passed, and that only Biden can stop this by talking to members of Congress and halting the redefining of the law. Unless common sense actions are taken now, America's energy security will not only be jeopardized, but we will soon approach a debt ceiling calamity that is completely avoidable, Manchin went on to say. ABC News rather is planning to lay off 50 staff members and executives. Walt Disney Company's ABC News laid off several senior executives on Thursday as it restructures its newsroom, two sources confirmed. The reductions are part of Disney's previously announced plan to cut 7,000 positions across the company as it seeks to control costs and become a more streamlined operation. About 50 jobs will be eliminated over time, including open positions. The layoffs began this week, affecting other facets of Disney's operations, including its Marvel Entertainment Division, television productions, and these uh, those rather working on next-generation storytelling initiatives. Reparations lobbyists in California say $5 million in reparations is too little. Activists on Wednesday demanded that the state of California pay millions of dollars to each black resident in reparations as a way to make amends for slavery and subsequent discrimination, dismissing the idea of payments of $5 million per person as nothing and too little. The demands were made at an in-person meeting with the California Reparations Task Force, which was created by state legislation signed by Governor Gavin Newsom in 2020. The committee was hearing comments from the public as it considers final recommendations to submit to the California legislature, which will then decide whether to implement the measure, bankrupt the state, and send them to Newsom's desk to be signed into law. The task force is considering a proposal to give just under $360,000 per person to approximately 1.8 million black Californians, who had an ancestor enslaved in the U.S., putting the total cost of the program at about $640 billion. California was never a slaveholding state itself. A male Canadian powerlifting coach trolls the competition by breaking the record in the women's category. Well, the male Canadian powerlifting coach broke the Alberta women's bench press record, of course, over the weekend in an act to to protest against the presiding organization's extremely lenient trans inclusion policy. Ari Silverberg, who does not identify as transgender, participated in the 84 plus kilogram category at the Canadian Powerlifting Union's Heroes Classics. Silverberg bested transgendered identifying male competitor Anne Andrus who watched him from the audience. Team Canada powerlifting coach um, Silverberg just broke the Alberta women's bench press record in the category at the Heroes Classic. The former record holder, trans-identified male Ann Andrus, had uh, a front-row view of Silverberg, mocked the discriminatory CPU policy by also unofficially breaking the women's world record in the event. The Senate has ditched the COVID emergency. In bipartisan fashion, the Senate voted to officially end the federal government's COVID national emergency. 
The vote should have been unanimous given the fact that it's been three years since the pandemic first hit the U.S., but lawmakers voted 69 to 23 in favor of the Republican-initiated measure. Unsurprisingly, the only ones to vote against it were, well, on the other side of the political aisle. The White House was also opposed to ending the COVID emergency powers due to the fact that it effectively pulls back on some of Joe Biden's executive powers. However, the president has indicated he will sign the legislation, recognizing that a veto would likely be overridden and it would be politically damaging to Democrats, as the vast majority of Americans have long recognized that the COVID pandemic emergency is over. Pandemic Medicaid rollback with the temporary expansion of Medicaid during the COVID pandemic expires today. In 2020, Congress expanded the government's medical insurance program to automatically enroll individuals in Medicaid, even if they no longer met the program's requirements. Now, some 15 million individuals may find themselves off the Medicaid program. Of course, they will only be dropped if they fail to meet the program's requirements. Media outlets will moan that not keeping people on the government dole leaves people in dire straits, and that may or may not be true. Of course, this means that people will... uh, have to be proactive and figure out where they can qualify for medical insurance coverage. There is Obamacare, after all. Well, the House GOP passed an energy bill. On Thursday, the House passed H.R. 1, or the Lower Energy Costs Act, so named to indicate its importance to Republicans. The legislation is an energy bill that seeks to expand America's energy industry and fossil fuel production and mining, as well as speeding up the approval process for infrastructure projects. It also rolls back some of uh, the president's climate change legislation. As Representative Steve Scalise, the bill's sponsor, explained, this is a bill focused on helping those families who've been struggling, who've been saying for the last two years, is anybody in Washington looking out for the families who are living paycheck to paycheck, who cannot make ends meet, who are sick and tired of runaway inflation and higher costs? The answer is yes, he went on to say. House Republicans are here with an answer to this problem, end quote. Well, naturally, the uh, Democrat-controlled Senate has already indicated the legislation is dead on arrival. Seattle installed fentanyl detectors. Drug abuse has become such a problem in Seattle that the city has begun installing fentanyl detectors in its public transportation buses due to the fact that too frequently its drivers have become sickened by exposure to fentanyl fumes. Part of the action behind these detectors, which are being installed in 50 buses, is connecting to a study being done by the University of Washington in order to better understand drugs that are being smoked on the buses and trains. Well, on this day in history, 1492, King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella of Spain issue an edict expelling Jews from Spanish soil, except those willing to convert to Christianity. 1933, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt signs the Emergency Conservation Work Act, which creates the Civilian Conservation Corps, or CCC. 1943, Oklahoma, the first uh, musical play by Roger Richard Rogers and Oscar Hammerstein II, opens on Broadway. 1968, at the conclusion of a nationally broadcast address on Vietnam, President Lyndon Johnson stuns listeners by declaring, I shall not seek and will not accept the nomination of my party for another term as your president. 1976, the New Jersey Supreme Court rules that Karen Ann Quinlan, a young woman in a persistent vegetative state, can be disconnected from her respirator. Quinlan, who remained unconscious, would die in 1985. 1991, the Warsaw Pact was formally dissolved. 2005, Terry Schiavo, 41, dies at a hospice in Pinalis Park, Florida, 13 days 
after her feeding tube was removed in a right-to-die court fight. 2018, the Mormon Church rejects some diversity, or rather injects some diversity into what had been an all-white leadership panel by selecting its first-ever Latin American apostle and the first-ever apostle of Asian ancestry. And finally, on this day in history, making good on a long-standing threat, President Trump moves to cut direct aid to El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras, whose citizens are fleeing north and overwhelming U.S. resources as part of organized uh, caravans. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Back in a moment for the lighter side of the news. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're going to take a uh, look at the lighter side of the news. I've asked James Blinn to join me in doing just that. And for once, I'm actually excited to be joining you. No reason, though. Is that the afterglow of opening for Nazareth this last weekend? Oh, yeah. You had to bring that up. Uh, You know, it's funny. uh, I was talking earlier with our promotions director um, who had uh, set up our our table at the at the event. And uh, and then our promotions assistant came in and uh, actually ran the show and she wasn't there. And she's like, I am so mad at you. Like, okay, what did I do? What I do? You know, I don't like running afoul of anybody, but uh, and um, she's like, you never mentioned to me that you were opening for Nazareth. I would have been there. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I tend to downplay it a little bit. I admit that, but uh, well, it is a little self promotion is a little challenging. Yeah, painful, I, 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 I tend to err on the side of not enough. Yeah, I think that's so. But uh, I felt bad. I have to admit it. But it was a fun time. I love Nazareth. He's a great guy. He's fun to work with. Um, and you know, getting to open for him and getting a few laughs on my own was actually pretty good too. So, especially when the boss is there. Oh, and, and uh, his entire family. The big question, did you nail it? You know, thankfully in his eyes I did. Um, <laughs> you know, when when I'm looking at it more constructively as somebody who does this occasionally, I was a bit rusty, uh, not having done it for about you know, three years thanks to the pandemic, but it was really fun to do it again, and hopefully I'll get a chance to do it again soon. Well, congratulations. It sounds nice. like you did great. Yeah. Sorry I missed it. Uh, you know. I'm I expected that, that. that. Not that sorry. I mean, every Friday you're in here. I'm sure most of the material you've heard anyway over the years. Did Did you bring my name up at any point? No. You know, it's funny though. I, I uh, there have been a couple times where I do it. Uh, you know, when when uh, uh, talking about the station, uh, there have been a couple times where before comedy shows that we've done, where I've been up there doing the station announcements and. I usually refer to the fact that uh, they asked for the re- uh, the really good looking one from the Georgine Rice show, and I'm like, so here I am. <laughs> so that's usually I won't the... dispute that. Yeah, I, no, I, no, I won't dispute it. All right, let's take a look at some of the lighter side of the news. This story comes out of Greenland. You know, some of us wish we were there right now because they have decided to stay in daylight saving time forever. Oh, yeah, residents of Greenland. I I'd like to uh, visit Greenland. Although I understand Iceland might even be more beautiful. Uh, Anyway, they've switched to daylight saving time and moved their clocks one hour forward this weekend for the very last time. Unlike most of Europe, Greenland will um, leave their uh, their clocks untouched come autumn when daylight saving time comes to an end. And while Europe rather in the uh, U.S. is debating whether to stick to the uh, twice yearly switch, um, the vast majority of the rest of the globe... um, is doing just that. Greenland stands out as an exception. The Parliament 
Uh, they voted to stick to daylight saving time year round on November to the 24th last year. And officials say it will give Greenland's Greenlanders rather another hour of daylight in the afternoon and more time to do business with Europe and further afield. So there you have it. I, I you know, I, I go back and forth about the idea of staying on daylight savings time forever and staying on standard time forever. But every time I have that debate, I realize I'm not saying we should be switching anymore. Because yeah, I think for most people, it's I mean, there are arguments to be made for either one of those choices. But the main thing that I think people are interested in is just not having to change their clock. I mean, you remember a couple of years ago, it's probably almost 20 years now that they changed it where it was, what, three weeks, started three weeks earlier and ended like a week or two later. Yeah. Um, in those gaps of time, I still, for those three weeks and those week or two at the, at the end, I'm really messed up. Like my body is expecting the change and it's not there anymore. Well, that, uh, that explains and- a lot. Yeah, it's when well, we're still in that window, so it really explains a lot. <laughs> it's been residual now for quite some time. Yes, unfortunately, it's true. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I guess Oregon and was it Washington or California? So one of our Washington neighbors uh, decided we're going to just uh, we're going to keep it, uh, you know, keep the time the same, but it requires an act of Congress for that to uh, to be implemented. So, and right now, an act of Congress requires an act of God. Well, yeah. It does that. Well, an Australian company on Tuesday lifted the glass cloche on a meatball made of lab-grown cultured meat using the genetic sequence from the long-extinct pachyderm, saying it was um, meant to fire up public debate about the high-tech treat. Would you eat it? A woolly mammoth meatball. Now long extinct. All right. Now, I, I will admit, I am a connoisseur of a fine meatball. I, I once spent $25 for a meatball at, at a restaurant. Oh, my goodness. Um, and I would love to say that, you know, oh, my gosh, it was terrible. It was overpriced. I can't believe I spent it. But, oh, my word. Every, every morsel, even though each bite was like a buck, um, <laughs> it, was, it was gorgeous. Um, I, I mean, I think the idea of it is a little weird. I'd want to know more, but if it was safe and, you know, it was, someone could describe a little bit of what it tasted like, I might be willing to try it, but I'm not lining up for it at the moment. Let's well, put it that way. By way of uh, more explanation, old meat. What does that do for you? The word rancid Ancient comes to mind. Meat. Rancid is the word that comes <laughs> to mind for go. me. Well, the launch in an Amsterdam science museum came just days before April 1st. So there was an elephant in the room. Is this for real? Well, according to the founder of Australian startup Vow, this is not an April Fool's joke. This is a real innovation. Well, cultivated meat. See, that doesn't even sound right. If you have to put something ahead of it as in cultivated, I'd rather not have it. Anyway, cultivated meat, also called cultivated or cell-based meat, is made from animal cells. Livestock doesn't need to be uh, killed to produce it which advocates say is better not just for the animals, but, of course, for the environment. Uh, Vow used uh, publicly available genetic information from the mammoth, filled missing parts with genetic data from its closest living relative, the African elephant. Uh, I'm not sure I want an elephant burger of any kind. Anyway, they inserted it into a sheep cell. Uh, Given the right conditions in a lab, the cell multiplied until there was enough to roll up into a meatball. No. I, will, I will admit, I don't mind el- elephant as a delicacy. I enjoy them every summer. 
um, at the fairs, I always get their ears. Yeah, no. But that's about it. More than 100 companies around the world are working on cultivated meat products. Many of them startups, like the one I've just quoted, Vow. Experts say that if the technology is widely adopted, it could vastly reduce the environmental impact of global meat production in the future. Currently, billions of acres of land are used for agriculture worldwide. I'll probably be gone by then because I would prefer not to have my meat produced in a test tube. I would prefer it roaming on the plains, but that's just me. Yeah, I think I'm I'm, I'm pretty much with you on that. I, like I said, uh, if it was safe and, you know, not rancid tasting, I might be willing to taste it someday. But I'd like to make sure the first million or so people don't, you know, fall <laughs> over. Well, the Mammoth Meatball is a one-off. It hasn't been tasted even by its creators, nor is it planned to be put into commercial production. Instead, it was presented as a source of protein that would get people talking about the future of meat. Speaking of the future of meat tonight, a couple of steaks for uh, Dan and Georgine Rice. Well, there you go. I think, uh, you know, that's that's a good idea. I think I'm going to have a burger. Straight from the cow, I should say. What kind of burger? I mean, there are all kinds of burgers. Uh I believe they are quarter pound sirloin. Mm, yeah. Sirloin. Mm-hmm. I like to eat meat that has a face, or at least had, had one. Had a face. Had a yeah, face. I typically prefer the face gone by the time it gets to me <laughs> overall. Yes, that's true. There will not be face on the steak that we'll be enjoying this evening. That That's probably good. Just clarifying. Well, a busy company owner for the early part of his life um, began anew at 80 by climbing Mount Fuji. Apparently not challenged enough by Japan's highest peak, he almost immediately took up surfing. Now, mind you, he started at 80. He now turns 90 later this year, and after being recognized by Guinness World Records as as the oldest male to surf, he's ready for the other tests. Uh, Maybe I'll be bouldering, he says, suggesting he might do it in uh, first in a gym outside. It uh, might be a, a bit dangerous. I don't know what bouldering is. Is that like rock climbing? I'm I'm guessing. He ruled out bungee jumping. Too scary, he said. Or maybe he'll just stick with what he knows. I think it would be um, interesting to try to surf until I'm 100, Mr. Sano said. I think I'd take better care of myself when um, I have goals like this. Uh, Even now, I take better care of myself than I did before. Well, he lives about 20 minutes from Yokohama and gets out most weekends on the Black Sand Beach Uh, nearby the small island that hosted sailing for the recent Tokyo Olympics and was the harbor for the 1964 games. He said he was inspired by an employee at his local bank who was always tan and didn't look like a typical banker. His secret, he said, was surfing. So Sano followed up and found a teacher at age 80. I don't consider myself an old man, he said, uh, in his wetsuit, board standing alongside. I've never thought of myself as an old person. I always feel that I can still move forward. I can still do it. I can still enjoy it. And he does. Pretty impressive. You know, it's funny. You mentioned bouldering and, uh, you know, being the indoor pet that I am. Uh, mm-hmm. I had no idea. So I looked it up. Um, it is a form of rock climbing. It apparently challenges you to climb short but tricky routes without ropes or harnesses using only your shoes, chalk, and mats. In other words... No, thank you. Yeah, it's no, no. Please. Death on a stone. I, I don't quite get it. What do you say, you and I though? Let's go to the Oregon coast. Let's find a teacher. Let's start surfing. Yeah, no. We we could discuss it during the break. All right. 
You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, where we don't surf. But we'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're taking a look at the lighter side of the news. I've been joined by James Blend. And then coming up in the second hour, this week's Christian Outlook. We'll talk about um, the tragic shooting at Covenant School in Nashville, Tennessee. Dr. Albert Moeller will share his thoughts on the confusion surrounding the reported gender of the shooter. And Don Crow will talk with Lance Izumi about his book, The Homeschool Boom. All of that and more on this week's Christian Outlook. Well, it, an owl apparently got caught in the chimney of an Ohio family. Who? An owl. Who? An owl. Who? Okay. <laughs> the, the Ohio family found the owl stuck in their chimney as it set off the carbon monoxide alarm. Never a dull moment, they said. Well, the owl's entrapment had caused the carbon, carbon monoxide leak. Uh, the family was forced to evacuate uh, the home. There were large um, quantities, levels of carbon monoxide. The culprit, an owl, had been stuck inside the structure, which caused a carbon monoxide leak and activated the alarm. Uh, the Cincinnati Animal Care Humane Society shared the news in a tweet earlier this month. Well, at um, at team uh, from Hamilton County Dog Wardens, which is operated by the Cincinnati Animal Care, arrived at the scene to rescue the bird. The owl was safely removed from the chimney and was reportedly unharmed. I'm not sure which end was in the chimney, so it didn't uh, it wasn't harmed by the monoxide carbon monoxide. A video showing the owl being released and flying away has been shared. Well, all over the world, owls becoming trapped inside chimneys is apparently fairly common. In February of 21, in Cleveland, Ohio, they reported that wildlife crews were called after a Massachusetts homeowner discovered a a barred owl in their chimney. Uh, Barred owls are a, a common species of owl that they can be found in the eastern, central and northwest United States, according to the National Audubon Society a nonprofit dedicated to uh, the conservation of birds and their habitats. The Massachusetts Division of Fisheries and Wildlife shared the informational on Facebook saying that uh, barred owls don't build their own nests. They, um, they're uh, cavity nesters, so they just find a place they're comfortable, meaning they'll typically um, select a hollow place and they use that for a nest. Um, a hawk or squirrel, they can't get to the place, so they lay their eggs, build their nest, and raise their young. I guess the question is, did anybody think to ask the owl how many licks it takes to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll Tootsie Pop? I wish I had a cricket button in here. What? I wish I could make the sound of a cricket. Do you not remember those classic ads? I remember it quite well. I was going to say. Yeah. So how did you do with that uh, open for Nazareth last weekend? Thankfully, there were no cricket sound effects. (laughs) Well, the Tyrannosaurus rex, one of the more popular dinosaurs, um, is often shown barring or rather bearing massive, sharp teeth like the ferocious creature in Jurassic Park. Uh, But new research suggests that this classic image might be wrong. I think the T-Rex is the favorite of lots of boys and girls. The teeth on T-Rex and other big uh, theropods were likely covered by scaly lips. Chapstick could help with that. but I was going to say, there's lip balm for that. There is lip balm. Um, this is according to a study that was published on t- Thursday in the journal Science. The dinosaur's teeth didn't stick out um, 
when its mouth was closed and even in a wide open mouth, uh, you might just see the tips, which would be scary enough. But nonetheless, the research is the latest um, along the lines of uh, dinosaur mouths and what they really looked like. I had no curiosity whatsoever to know what a dinosaur like mouth those, really looked those, like. Those but specials, there you go. Sounds like one of those specials they used to show like on Fox, you know, when animals attack. What dinosaur mouths really look like on Fox. I used to watch that when animals attack. That explains an awful lot, actually. <laughs> you know, when that's your fear, I- I'm thinking that's not the greatest show for you. Well, I was in the safety of my own home. I mean, that's like me watching a show when bees sting. <laughs> well, and the thing was, they took way too long for the animal attack. I didn't need to know the history of the family that, you know, was bored by the whatever. I just wanted to see what, what happened and what do I need to avoid doing so that it doesn't happen to me. Oh, there you go. That's all I needed. See, I, I, I just had a recent psychological issue, um, which, uh, which involved watching television. And uh, uh, my daughter is a big fan of this uh, science guy on YouTube, Mark Rober, uh, who does all these fun science experiments. It's, mm-hmm. it's good educational stuff and very family friendly and all of that stuff. Well, his latest one is on bed bugs. Oh, and basically all about how bedbugs work, how they how they feed, how to get rid of them, all that stuff. And ever since then, every time in bed, I find myself scratching. Like, <laughs> I mean, it has gotten into my head. And I, we don't have bedbugs. We've never had bedbugs. But in my head, I can't convince myself of that anymore. All because I watched that one YouTube thing. So how do you get rid of bedbugs? Uh, there are a couple things. There are a couple things that actually work. Um chemical wise and uh, change residence that's one my personal favorite burn down the house <laughs> uh, Works actually, for me. one of them is really bringing outside people to heat your house up to about 130 degrees uh, and that kills them all 130 degrees well, yeah. i like it about 130 degrees i was gonna say that's right that's how i keep house. my office yeah about so you'll never get degrees. bed bugs in your office speaking of which last night i um i make a really good lentil soup with chicken for Dan Rice. Prove it. Very flavorful. Prove it. And I make what I call tasty bread, put it in the broiler. I, you know, I season it up, put a little um, cheese on the top, not the squishy kind, not the squidgy kind, <laughs> but um, Parmesan cheese on the top. Okay. So he got his soup. I got my meal. We went in the other room. All of a sudden we heard this beep, 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 and it wouldn't stop. I think, oh, there's something backing up on our street outside. But it just kept going and going. We got up, walked into the kitchen. I had left two pieces of, well, what was once toast in the broiler, probably 10 minutes. Oof. The house filled with smoke. I mean, there's smoke everywhere. The ki- I mean, there are ashes in the kitchen. Fortunately, nothing was permanently damaged. But I had an incident like uh, that when I was in high school. So if we had bed bugs, my point is we don't have them now. Yeah. What did you do in high school? Uh, I um, put a... Uh, hot pretzel into the microwave from the freezer and it's supposed to go on for a minute and 30 and Uh the button stuck and I didn't notice it and it went for 13 minutes Um, and while I was waiting I went up checked my email all that stuff I came down to get the pretzel and the dog's looking at me like there's something seriously wrong here Um, it was literally a look and I walk into the uh, living room and I look up and I see 18 inches of smoke coming from the ceiling yeah and it had filled the entire house with smoke, uh, and it was billowing out of the back of the the microwave. 
So I turned it off, take the pretzel outside on the back porch, uh, trying to figure out, okay, my parents aren't home. They're going to be home <laughs> soon. How do I get all the smoke out of the house? Maybe the fire department will know. So I called the local firehouse and asked them, how, you know, how, do I, you know, how do I get rid of the smoke? Oh, we got a big fan. We can just bring it down. Sure, that'd be great. Awesome. I'm sitting there waiting for the fire guy to come up, you know, in his little fire uh, chief car or whatever. And instead I hear, and onto the street pull two fire trucks, lights blaring and everything. (laughs) And that's when my parents pulled up. (laughs) And for the next 15 minutes, I just had different fire masks. So again, how did this happen? <laughs> and then you'd see them turn around and walk away and their shoulders were shaking and you know, they're kind of a little hunched over. I'm like, oh, I'm the laughing stock of the county. They're going to be talking about me for months. So did they clear out the smoke? For the most part, my poor parents, it, got, it had gotten into, it was so bad, it had gotten into the furniture. So they actually had to put a house insurance claim in to get the upholstery cleaned and the carpets cleaned to get the odor out. Oh. And the... And the wall behind the microwave had to be repainted, too. All for a hot pretzel that I didn't even eat. Yeah, you had to throw. Yeah, the, the toast. It was charred. I it had it on a silicon pad. Was that was charred. The toast was no longer. It was toast, so to speak. And that was the end of that. And this is the end of this. Well, I'm glad I didn't call the fire department. Yeah, good call. A, Trust a good, me. A I, I'm sign. very pro-firefighter, but it, it's hard to be the... the, the uh, a laughing stock. <laughs> hey, we've got news and traffic coming up here at the top of the hour and in the second hour this week's Christian Outlook. So stay with us. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ.